Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to the Mindful Manager Podcast. My name is Art Burns. I'm your host, and I'm very, very happy to be here with you today. It is Friday, and that means that it's time for informal practice. Every Friday here on the Mindful Manager Podcast, I give you an informal practice that you can do um, in the comfort of your own home where you are stuck like the rest of us. And uh, and these practices can really help you to uh, to instill and to weave into your life uh, uh, the, the skills and the habit of mindfulness. Um, you know, mindfulness is, is essentially just the same thing as presence, right? It's, it's just saying um, to, to pay attention, you know, to on what's happening as it's happening without judgment. That, that's all that mindfulness is. And, um, and when we can do this, you know, some enormous benefits start to arise. Okay. Number one, um, happiness, <laughs> you know, that that's really, uh, the, there's no other way to put it. We are more happy when we are present. Uh, in addition, to that, um, we tend to, to, you know, feel as we're paying attention to, to our circumstances, and this includes both the outer circumstances and the inner circumstances, which it is pretty inevitable once you start paying attention to what you're doing in the outside, that you will start to, to pay attention to what's happening on the inside at the same time. And the reason for this is that, you know, if you're not distracted by your wandering mind, thinking about all the different things that are going on in your life, uh, all the different responsibilities you have, all the different uh, troubles you have, all the different successes you have, so on and so forth. When we're not distracted by these things, we are able to to just be with ourselves and, and we start we just automatically start to feel uh, a sense of this of this uh, self-awareness. And through that, we develop emotional intelligence, which is really, really helpful in many, many different areas of your life. Um, And of course, the bottom line of all of this is that we will reduce the levels of stress and anxiety and depression in our lives. You know, as I said, I started out with with happiness, you know, that is really the body, you know, that that's the first and last thing that we should, you know, kind of consider as we talk about mindfulness is that is that presence equals happiness. That's that's just how it is, folks. It's, there's no other way to look at it. And I have lots of um, uh, evidence to show that. Um, I was actually watching a video earlier, uh, re-watching a video earlier, I should say, of uh, Richie Davidson giving a talk. Richie Davidson is a is in a phenomenal uh, neuroscientist. I mean, I'm assuming he's a good neuroscientist. I don't really know particularly, but he's a wonderful speaker <laughs> and a wonderful author. And uh, I take it by his reputation that he's a wonderful neuroscientist as well and a re- researcher. Um, he's, and also from the fact that he has a, a directorship of, uh, of neuroscience of some sort at uh, the University of Wisconsin. So I would think that he's doing pretty well with it. Um, but, uh, but I also know that he was in the early 90s, he was the, uh, the one of the neuroscientists who met with the Dalai Lama. Uh, he may have been the very first one, actually. Uh, and, and the Dalai Lama, you know, asked Richie a question. He, he grabbed him by the arm and he asked him a question. Um, he said, well, I think before he grabbed him by the arm, he asked him a question uh, and then grabbed him by the arm. But he, the question that he asked was, um, you know, all these machines that you have, all these MRI machines and all the different uh, gadgets that you use to, to examine the human psyche, you know, you, you're focused on you know, pathogens and pain and, and, you know, and, and, you know, just all the things that could be wrong with, with the human brain, right? And, and the neurosystem, right? The, the whole, you know, nervous system and brain and the whole neurology of, of humanity. But why can't you, the Dalai Lama asked, use these same machines to measure compassion 
and wellness and kindness and these things. And and Richie didn't have an answer for him. So he, he you know, so they went on to talk. And at that point, um, the Dalai Lama grabbed him by the arm and said, and said, you need to, to bring this out into the world. You need to use this science that you, you have here uh, and, and, and show the world that, that these practices that we talk about with, you know, mindfulness and, and meditation, that, that they work to increase, you know, on a scientific level, that they work to increase happiness and well-being. And so, so from then on, Richie made it his, his the, the mission of his life to do this. And, um, and he, among several other uh, researchers and neuroscientists and psychologists, all uh, got together and, and did a lot of work on a group of Tibetan monks who were invited here by the Dalai Lama to do these experiments, to, to be just, you know, just measured in every way and shape and form uh, with real-time MRI, with uh, EEG machines, with, you know, with, with all kinds of different, um, uh, you know, methods of, of psychology, you know, psychology and neuroscience um, measurements. And, and, and it was shown. And, and to, to the Dalai Lama's credit, at the time, he is quoted as saying that if we find out that, that we're wrong, that, that these these uh, that if the science behind this of all these you know amazing uh, machines and and methods of measurement show that we that this does not work on a physiological level. Uh, the the practices of mindfulness and, and meditation, then we have to consider rewriting some of our ancient texts to reflect this truth. So so to his credit, he he was willing and and ready to to actually undo twenty five hundred years of of you know of Buddhist um uh you know knowledge and and practice you know if the if the American and Western um uh you know equipment and and you know methods showed that it was not true. Fortunately for the Dalai Lama, it did show that it was true, right? And, and there's a lot and lot, lot, lot of research that shows, you know, that, that when we're present and when we're uh, practicing, um, you know, being present in the moment, that the areas of our brains that, that activate are, are those associated with good, positive emotions, you know, and it's not just on the MRI either. Um, there's been, as I was, uh, you know, this video that I was watching of Richie talking, um, he he talks about uh, a, a study that was done. Uh, the the video was published, I think, in 2017, and so he said it was a recent uh, study that was done um, where they took thousands of people, okay, thousands of subjects. So you know, anytime you read about a scientific study being done or a research project being done, always look for how many people they 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 do the the test on, right? Because if it's anything less than you know at least many hundred, then you're not really getting a very good sample. And, and I've read a lot of, you know, scientific uh, uh, books and journals and, and, you know, reports from, from uh, studies and, and such that, that I've seen this, that, that one of the things you want to watch for is, is that, you know, the broadness of the, of the cross-section of people that they're, um, that they're studying. And so, so this particular study, and again, if Richie Davidson is quoting it, you can, you can bet that it's a, a well-designed project. You know, Richie Davidson has done also uh, studies with John Kabat-Zinn, who is somebody who I also uh, talk a lot about here, um, among many others. He, he's just, he's a very, very well-known uh, neuroscientist. And, um, and so again, if he's, uh, you know, 
quoting a study, you can you can bet pretty well that that you can be very very sure that that it's a well designed study and that it's it's legitimate, uh, you know, information. And he did go on to say that this particular study was published in a well known and reputable uh, scientific journal. And so, and he didn't mention which journal it was, but uh, but he did you know vouch for the fact that it was a legitimate uh, and respected journal. And so the the study was as follows: they they actually used smart smartphone technology uh, to, to perform this study. And what they did was they took thousands of people again, and, uh, and they would text them several times a day uh, with three questions. Okay, the first question was, what are you doing right now? And they would have a checklist of things that the people could check off to say what they were doing, right? Selecting from lists and drop down menus and that sort of thing. The second question was, where is your mind right now? You know, is your mind on what you're doing here or are you thinking about something else as you're doing it? And then the third question was, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, emotionally, right? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you worried? Are you, you know, how are you feeling emotionally? And I don't know, if, I think the way he made it sound, it was like all drop down menus. So, uh, you know, multiple choice kind of things. And so with, you know, with, with all these thousands of people participating in this study, it was determined that 47% of American adults do not pay attention to what they're doing while they're doing it. And all of them feel unhappy, right? That, that's what this study showed. And, and again, if you're taking a few thousand people, you know, you're getting a pretty good cross-section of, of what you know, virtually every adult in America is kind of going through. So, so that's why they extrapolate the, the fact that 47% of adults in America, male and female, um, are, are not paying attention to what it is that they're doing as they're doing it. And as a result, they are all reporting feeling less than happy. Now, I've also studied a lot a doctor named Dr. Dan Siegel, and I've, I've talked about him a lot here too. Uh, he was actually one of the first. I attended a seminar, uh, an online seminar in which he was a, a speaker. And, um, and one of the, you know, this is very, very early on in my sort of uh, mission to learn how to teach mindfulness. I had been practicing mindfulness for a, a while at this point, a couple of years, but, but I, this was the first time that I was, um, you know, trying to figure out how to teach it to people. I was, I was undergoing a, a certification pro, uh, uh, program, and uh, and I was I was really trying to to you know to figure out the science behind all this and how I can convince people that this is true. All this this uh, this work that I talk about, and in this uh, in this seminar that I you know in the, in the speech that he gave in this seminar, you know one of the things that he talked about was the same thing that Richie's talking about here, right? Is that there's very very clear evidence, and and again these are two very very well known neuroscientists who who you know again top of the of the class on this uh, uh, in this field, right? So so really you know you can believe these guys they they're very very well reputable, and so uh, so Dr. Siegel also said the same thing that the you know path analyses that they do for on, on tests with people are very very clear that that show that people are more pre, are more happy when they are present with what they are doing now dr siegel went on to say and this is a specific example that he gave in this webinar was that was that if 
you are in the shower, even if you are thinking about something that is very, very positive, like a vacation in Hawaii that you have coming up or that you just completed, um, that you are going to be less happy thinking about that Hawaiian vacation than you would be uh, thinking about just being in the shower and just being present with what you're doing in the shower, like feeling the water, hearing the sounds of the water, um, you know, smelling the shampoo, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, and so this is two, these are two really top notch, uh, and, and world-class neuroscientists, you know, uh, who are saying the same thing here and, and making it a part of what they're talking about here, you know? And so this tells you a lot here, folks. And this, this is why, and this is really the root of everything that I work on. And this is the root of everything I talk about here in this podcast, right? Is the fact that, by being present, by simply paying attention to what we are doing as we are doing it, we are increasing our happiness, okay? And and the thing about that is that when we're increasing our happiness, you cannot be both um, uh, happy and stressed out at the same time. You know, you cannot be in the stress response in your body and also be happy at the same time. Happiness happens in the, in the state of homeostasis of your body, right? Your, your body, including every single of the 55 trillion cells that make up your body, um, your body is either in growth mode or it's in survival mode. And that's the way it goes, right? Your cells are constantly dividing and multiplying and growing, right? You have to, you're, you're, you know, because they're constantly dying off too. So, so you need to completely, you know, you need to constantly be uh, uh, replacing the cells that are dying and, and growing new cells. And so that's the way your body works, right? Now your, your cells are either going to be in that growth mode or they're going to be in survival mode where they're stopping the growth because they're, they're focusing their, their energy on survival, right? The stress mode of your body, the stress response of your body is survival mode, right? And the same thing, it happens in your, in your brain, um, in your every organ that you have is affected by the stress response. Every single aspect of your, your body is going to be affected in a very strong way by the stress response, right? But while you are happy, you simply cannot be in the stress response, and so, and so that's why, you know, that's why this mindfulness works for stress reduction, right? Because, because when you're paying attention to what it is that you're doing as you're doing it, the, the stress that comes from the thoughts, the fear-based thoughts the, of, of whatever might be going on, they just don't happen, right? Like, and, and therefore the, the stress, you know, the way the stress is supposed to work in your body is by you know, by, by allowing you to flee or to fight off an imminent physical threat, which is a present thing, right? So, so when you are present, then you're, you, you know, if you if your body needs the stress response, then it will get the stress response and, and it will help you, right? Because that means that you presently have a tiger chasing you, or you presently have a, a car that's veering off the road that might hit you. And this, your, your, the stress response allows you to get blood into your muscles, in your, in your legs, and your arms so that you can move out of the way, or, or you can fight off something, uh, you know, an intruder in, you know, who's about to attack you or something. I 
which I hope never happens, you know, and, and that's the thing. Most of us live our entire lives without any true physical life or death situation, right? But, but yet we're so often in the stress response. I mean, it's 77% of Americans live with chronic stress, right? And that's, you know, and so that's even bigger than the number of, of 47% of the people who are not paying attention to what they're doing as they're doing it, you know? And, and so where that crossover lies, I'd have to, you know, contemplate that a little bit. I just, you know, kind of came up, I just kind of uh, realized the connection between those two numbers. And I'll give that some thought and some research and I'll get back to you on that. Uh, but, but this is the reality, folks, you know, and, and the greatest way to, to reduce that level of stress is simply to be present, right? So now let me tell you about some practices that you can do this with, that, that will help you to do this. Now, um, this is kind of the overall, like the umbrella of, of all of the practices that I give my clients, my friends, my family, anybody who will listen. And I'm going to give them to you now too. Um, when I work with people as a mindfulness coach, okay, I, I give them three different types of practice. Okay. The first practice I give them is, is, is meditation, right? Formal meditation where every day you're going to sit down for at least a couple of minutes a day, and you're going to, you know, do a formal meditation. The second practice that I give them is an informal uh, mindfulness practice, which is the one I'm going to talk about with you now. The third is a is a, um, a, a compassion exercise, which I've given you here before as well. So the 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 open, uh, I'm sorry, the 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 informal practice, right, which is the uh, the the informal mindfulness practice. Okay, the the way this is designed to work is is to keep you present in what is happening right now, and at the same time. Is, is designed to, to uh, develop a sense of open awareness, okay? Because that, that's what happens, right? When, when we're aware, openly aware of what is happening, we have to be present to be able to do that, right? Like we can't be, you know, fixated on, you know, on a bill that's due next month or, or on a test that we have to take or a, or a project at work or a, or a problem with our, you know, with, with, you know, being stuck with coronavirus in, in house, you know, and as, you know, uh, shelter in place orders that we all have here in, in uh, all the American cities at this point, <clears throat> So it's, you know, it's, it's about, you know, developing an awareness of what is happening as it's happening. Okay. So that's the, that's the, the goal of this practice. Um, and so, so the way it works is super simple. It's very simple, but it's not easy. Okay. And this is why it takes a, a commitment to doing this and it takes practice. Okay. Just like any other skill that you can possibly develop in your life, it takes practice and repetition. Okay. And so, so the way it works is that you're simply going to take those activities in your life, right. That are the sort of, you know, mindless and, and automatic activities that you do every day. And there are many of them. Okay. There are many, many, many of these types of activities. Okay. To name a few, you could talk about, uh, brushing your teeth. You could talk about taking a shower. You could talk about washing dishes, cooking food, uh, eating, um, uh, you know, making coffee, uh, driving, uh, you know, 
to and from work, walking from one place to another in your house or in, in your work, you know, anything that you're doing that you don't have to think about doing, right? You've done it so many times that your body knows how to do it without you thinking about it, okay? Those are the activities that we want to use because what you're doing there is, is because your body knows how to do things in a way that your mind doesn't need any help, right? Or doesn't need to help the body to do these things. This gives your mind and an, a time, an opportunity to wander off into other things. And that's the problem, right? Like while you're walking from one room to another in your home or, or in your in your workplace or or let's be let's take another example. Let's say brushing your teeth, right? Almost nobody automatically brushes their teeth and thinks about and, and just dwells in the presence of brushing their teeth. Same thing with washing dishes. While you're sitting there washing your dishes or brushing your teeth or while you're walking around your house or your office, you know, you're thinking about all kinds of other stuff. Right? And it's, we all do it. It's nothing against you or against me or against anybody else. It's just the way our minds work because it's something that, you know, we don't have to do it, right? Because we know how to wash dishes. We know how to brush our teeth. We know how to walk from one room to the other. So we don't need to focus on it. So therefore, this is an opportunity for your mind, again, to wander off and to think about any number of things, right? The problem is that our tendency, right, we have, we have this, this wiring of our brain, you know, pushes us to think about negative things, okay? And the reason we do this is because your mind knows and your brain knows that, that to keep you alive, you know, paying attention to the negative things is more fruitful than, than paying attention to the positive things because the positive things are not likely to hurt you, right? And so... So therefore, it is the tendency of all of us to dwell on the negative things, okay? What's wrong with our lives? Like, you know, how long are we going to be stuck with this coronavirus stuff going on? Um, you know, what's going to happen after this meeting that I'm walking into? All, all the different emails I'm going to get and I have to reply to and how late am I going to be stuck at work tonight? Or, you know, or, or you know, what what's the, you know, how much money do I have <laughs> in the, my bank account? You know, what, what bills do I have coming up? You know, um, you know, these kind of things. And it's, and it's, again, this is, it's not just me saying this. This is psychologists have talked about this for, you know, dozens of years, decades, right? And um, and so so the idea is that when we can use these times, right, the, these very mindless and automatic activities that we do every single day, when we can use these times to practice mindfulness, right? Because we do them every single day, we wind up developing habits in doing these things. And the habits that we wind up developing are the habits of mindfulness, of being present with what you're doing. So let me give you a couple of examples. So, uh, so brushing teeth is a great one. Like I said, almost nobody ever brushes their teeth and pays attention to brushing their teeth. It's just, it's like a mindless act. It's the most mindless act we can do. So instead of allowing it to be a mindless act and allowing your mind to wander off and do whatever it's going to do, you know, pay attention to brushing your teeth. It's very simple, okay? Uh, you know, use, and, and, and here's, the, here's the golden rule around all of these practices, right? No matter what activity you choose to use for this practice, all you have to do is focus on your senses. And the reason why we do this is that our senses are always present right? You cannot use your sense of any one of your five outer senses without something being right there with you presently, right? 
You can't see something that's not right in front of you. You can't hear something that's not making noise in your presence right now. You can't touch something that's not right in front of you. You can't taste something that's not currently in your mouth. And you can't smell something that is not, you know, currently close enough to your nose to, to allow you to smell it, right? It just doesn't work, right? You could have the memory of any of these senses and you can have the imagination of any of these senses, right? Like you can see a picture of a glass of beer on TV and you can get that you know you can taste that beer in your mouth like you know but that's not an actual sense that's a memory of the sense right and and same thing looking at a picture of flowers you can imagine and remember what those roses or tulips or whatever it is smell like but if you're going to use your sense of smell with your nose you know you have to be right there in front of those flowers okay so so that's why we use our senses so to use your senses with doing these activities again take uh, uh, brushing your teeth is a really common one. This is one of the, my favorite ones to get my clients to do. Uh, most of them really get great results out of this. Okay, uh, while you're brushing your teeth, <clears throat> with uh, you know, first of all your sense of sight. Now, one thing you can always do with your sense of sight is you can simply close your eyes and pit, and just examine the color of the light that comes through your eyelids. Right. If you're in a very bright room, you know, it's going to be like a red kind of color. If it's a dimly lit room, it's going to be more in like a blue or green uh, hue. Right. Um, and, and, it, and it can, you know, really change throughout different times and different places. So it's always a great way to do it. Right. Um, the sense of sound. Right. Brushing your teeth. The sense of sound is an enormously helpful uh, sense to use. Right. Because um, you, you're going to hear it like you, you don't hear it even from outside of you. You hear it from within you. So it's like this echoey kind of sound. And and you can sense, you know, you can hear this sound and, and you can hear how the sound changes, you know, as you brush different areas of your mouth, right? Like sometimes it's very deep, sometimes it's very shallow and it changes whether it's inside your teeth, outside your teeth, you know, in the front, in the back, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, the sense of smell, that's an easy one. So it's the sense of taste, right? You have toothpaste that is, that is you know, scented and, and flavored. So you're going to smell and taste that pay attention to it right and then your sense of touch now there's a couple different ways you can do that with brushing your teeth you can either sense the touch of the of the foam in your mouth you know as that's happening or what I tell people is very simply just focus your and you can do this with any activity as well with the touch focus your attention on the bottoms of your feet we almost never do that normally right and in everyday circumstances but your feet are such a sensitive part of your body. And so anytime you focus, and I'm sure you're doing this right now as you're, as you're listening to me, you, you know, feel the bottoms of your feet on the floor beneath you, right? It's, it's such a distinctive feeling that you have. Now, especially while you're brushing your teeth, you're either standing on very cold tile or you're standing on a nice cushy uh, uh, rug beneath you um, or, or whatever it is, right? Maybe it's a little wet because you took a shower. You know, you can examine this. You can really be present with it, okay? And do that every time you brush your teeth in the morning and then at night too, if you can. I mean, do it twice a day. It's going to even be better. Um, do that every day for about two months, even like one month, and you, my, you are going to develop a habit that every time you brush your teeth, you're going to pay attention to what you're doing. It's going to happen automatically at that point, right? Um, there's different, uh, uh, you know, opinions and, and theories about how long it takes to, do, uh, to develop a habit. Anywhere from thir uh, 28 days to 66 days, I've heard in a few, a few interim uh, 
points there too. So, so assume that if you do it for two months, you're covered, you know, absolutely. But more than likely, uh, and it's also not a, a binary kind of thing. It's not like you don't have a habit, then you do have a habit. It's a, it's on a, a gradient, right? A spectrum. So somewhere in there, like right after the month long mark, you're going to have a habit. You're going to or at least be so far along in the habit that it's almost inevitable. <clears throat> All right. So, so that's how you do that brushing your teeth. Again, I'll give you one more example, doing it washing dishes, right? Washing dishes is a classic time, just like brushing your teeth, where your mind can wander onto all kinds of stuff, right? So while you're washing the dishes, what you want to do is, again, you know, if, if you can either, you can either look at what's happening in the sink and really pay attention to that, or again, you can just close your eyes and notice the, the, the color of the light that comes through your eyelids, right? Um, the, the sound of the dishes is really, really prominent, right? The, yes, the water hits different, uh, you know, a ceramic bowl versus a metal pot versus this, the stainless steel of the sink or the ceramic of the sink, whatever it is, you know, there's all can be different sounds there, right? Um, you know, you'll you'll have the the fragrance, right? Like you'll smell some of the food that's that's still coming off the dishes. You'll also smell the you know whatever scent your your soap happens to be, um, you know, or or you'll sense an absence of of scent, right? And that's fine too. Just pay attention to whatever your nose is telling you. Um, the taste, right? Now now this is something that's interesting because. Anytime you want to, you can examine your sense of taste. You don't have to be eating something or drinking something, but it's so subtle that it makes you really look at it, but you'll always taste something. There's always some description you can give to whatever's happening inside your mouth, right? Because your taste buds, they don't just activate when you're eating or drinking. They're always there and always active. Um, and so again, your touch, you know, you can either feel the, the, you know, the, the sponge and the soap in your hand, you can sense how it changes as, you know, as you scrub one pot and something that's stuck on it comes off, you know, you sense that difference. That's a sense of touch. Um, or again, just focus your sense, your, your, your attention on the sensation at the bottoms of your feet. Right. So now if you were to take two or three or four uh, different activities uh, every single day and do this for, for 30 days or more, you know, 30 days and, you know, maybe six weeks, you will have a habit of mindfulness. There's no there's no stopping it. OK. But it, again, it takes commitment, you know, and it takes um, uh, commitment and intention to doing it. Right now, the problem is that a lot of people they'll start doing it for a couple of weeks and then they'll drop off. They'll just kind of forget about it. It's not it's not exciting stuff. You know, it's not it's not necessarily fun, but it's going to feel good. And, and as you do it and your body starts to feel better, it's going to help you to form that habit. And so if you would like some help, in, in getting this started. If you'd like me to help you, you know, kind of figure out a couple different activities that will work for you and you would like to, um, you know, get some motivation and some accountability, I can help you do that. Okay. And if you would like that help, all you have to do is contact me. Okay. You can contact me via uh, email art at artburnscoaching.com or you can go onto my website artburnscoaching.com and uh, and click on the, uh, the the banner that says free phone consultation and book yourself a free phone consultation okay uh, enter your name your telephone number your email address that kind of stuff and and pick out a time and day that work for you and and it is automatically open for me if it's open on that calendar it's open on every one of my calendars and we can just get together on the phone and or on a video chat and we can you know really get deeply 
into this and figure out what works for you. And uh, and if you would like that, I would like that too. Um, but again, that's also applies is if you just even have a question, I'm more than happy to jump on a call with you and, and answer whatever questions you have. All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope that you're all staying safe, uh, staying you know sane, and um, keeping yourself uh, distant and uh, keeping your hands clean. And uh, I appreciate you listening. And I hope that you get to try some of these practices. And I'll be back again on Monday to share some more uh, great information about mindfulness. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend and uh, stay well. Take care. Bye bye.